1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today. All right, on to today's episode. Dr. Jenna Cantor is back, and today she is interviewing Rob Tillman. He is the president of Ortho Rehab and Specialty Centers. In 1986, he received his degree in physical therapy from the University of Missouri. Rob immediately saw the need to attain a level of clinical competence that would allow him to efficiently address the complex needs of his patient population. With this in mind, he enrolled in a postgraduate residency training program with the Sorlandets Institute, which later became known as the Ola Grimsby Institute. He is a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy and American Academy of Physical Therapy. Rob attained the highest level of clinical certification available in the field of orthopedic rehabilitation. Since then, he has received international recognition for his research on the lumbopelvic system and has written benchmark works on the thoracic and cervical regions as well. Rob has presented several national and international conferences on a wide range of healthcare related topics. He is also a recognized authority in the arena of sports medicine, having been credited with the rehabilitation design and training programs for many professional athletes and organizations, including professional baseball, a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, and an NBA championship winning power forward and four-time golf world long drive champion. So I'm really happy to have Rob and Jenna on the program today, uh, talking about the AAPT, um, amongst a lot of other topics. So a big thank you to Jenna and to Rob Tillman for coming on to today's podcast. Hello, this is
0: Jenna Cantor. I am here with the Rob Tillman, who is currently the president of AAPT and also is in charge of the Ortho Rehab and Specialty Centers. He is just a top physical therapist in the profession. We got, I had the major pleasure of meeting him in person for the first time at the APTA 100 Years Gala. Was it 100 years? It was, so, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were all dressed up. I got to freak him out with my excited energy because I was so excited to be meeting you, Rob. And I, i by luck, convinced you to, to come on this fun ride and do this interview with me on Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on.
2: It's my pleasure.
0: It Yeah, same. It absolutely is just wonderful. So, um, I would love to just start with if people could learn more about how you got to these leadership positions, start from wherever you feel comfortable, but I would love to hear how you got to now. I mean, you're heading these things course. I mean, so many things. So please share.
2: Well, to be honest with you, I, uh, I didn't really seek to be president or leader of anything. I just really wanted to, I went to physical therapy school and I wanted to uh, do sports medicine. So um, I learned that while I was trying to do sports medicine and orthopedics, most patients have, that come to an outpatient physical therapy clinic have neck or back pain. So I decided to go ahead and and, uh, learn something about how to deal with neck and back pain. So I did a residency with a group called the Soorlandis Institute, which is now the Elder Grimsby Institute for four years, and did a residency and and passed my competencies and became what's called a level two manual therapist by the Norwegian standards. And I think it's still the highest uh, level of competency um, internationally recognized in orthopedic manual therapy. Um, Started teaching courses in orthopedic manual therapy after I gained my level of competency uh, and started working um, with the group Uh, was Health South back then. It was the world's largest healthcare corporation geographically. And um, I started troubleshooting clinical operations and learned how to do the administrative things. And the next thing you know, I'm a vice president and then I'm a senior vice president. And then they have their accounting scandal. And then uh, (laughs) so I started my own company about 18 years ago. Um, And all the while, while I'm doing my my, my uh, core competencies and working, you know, to make a living and and moving up in the in the company I was with, I met a group called the American Academy of Physical Therapy that was established about 30 years ago, and um, it yes, really, in <laughs>
0: 1989.
2: Yeah, it was it was uh, black folks that had concerns about access to physical therapy school and um, quality care in the black community. And I I learned about them through who is now my best friend, Leon Anderson III. His dad, Leon Anderson Jr., is the founding president of the American Academy of Physical Therapy. And um, I just really started teaching what I had learned to the group and exposed them to the specialty of manual therapy. And I just kind of hung around and enjoyed myself with them because that's the first time I really experienced unconditional love professionally in physical therapy because they just made me feel welcome. A lady who's deceased now named Diane Alisbury, I call her my PT mom. She'd say, hey, Rob, baby, how you doing? And just hug me and just, well, do you need anything? Are you taking care of yourself? You're not working too hard. Are you just like an auntie type thing? Um, And then I became more involved in the operations and and joined a committee um, called the Innovative Services Committee. And innovative services was, that's exactly what it does. It does cool and innovative things like create programs. We established a navigation program for mentorship for, for um, our young folks coming through. An advocacy um, wing uh, that was concerned about practice acts and access to care and, and licensure issues and things like that. Um, in the process, I somehow got appointed to the Arkansas State Board of Physical Therapy. So that's how I end up wearing these hats. Um, And while I'm on the board at Arkansas State Board of Physical Therapy, beginning about 16, 17 years ago, I'm currently still on the board. Um, And it's it's rewarding. It's rewarding. It's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. And I'd rather be at the table than not be at the table for a lot of the things that are going on because our, our profession continues to evolve. The physical therapy profession continues to evolve. And as it evolves, then we have to be able to apply the clinical concepts that we are in general learning in physical therapy school. Uh, State practice acts can hinder your ability to perform the things that you've learned if you're not careful. So we really have to make sure that all of the practice acts are current and and access to physical therapy is available because we are the most green profession in healthcare. It's all hands-on care and exercise. You can't get anybody stronger by giving them opioids. Okay? You can't correct biomechanics by you know, having somebody on muscle relaxers. You know, It's kind of hard to strengthen somebody while they're on muscle relaxers also, by the way. But um, as we're looking at all these things that I'm doing at the same time, it's just when people ask me to do something, I don't want to be the person that's complaining about things not being done appropriately. I want to be the person that's kind of like a catalyst or at least an advocate or participant and moving things forward and making things better and sometimes you don't get paid for it okay but 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 uh, that's why i love the academy because it's a service academy it's you know it's a place to come and serve and 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 love the people that you're with and be loved have a positive attitude and and, and move some things forward um i think sometimes people get caught up into looking at the apt or the apta as something that needs to serve them the APTA is also a, a giant service group, if we look at it appropriately, and as we come together and share concepts and ideas. Uh, the current leadership of the APTA has done a lot better on sitting down and really trying hard to understand the challenges of the Black community, just so my, my hats off to past president Sharon Dunn, and also the current president, Roger Her and, and um, Justin Moore, the CEO, and uh, Carmen Elliott, who's a vice president over uh, DEI. I think that they're really putting their, their best foot forward on working towards things. I think that we all have to be patient in monitoring the progress as we do blend initiatives and work together on things because change doesn't happen overnight. Attitudes can happen overnight. Mindsets take a little bit longer to change as far as our train of thought. But behavior patterns take a lot longer than that, and coordinating behavior with other groups and other people take even longer. So I've learned to be a bit more patient um, in my practice um, and my um, working with folks. And I've also learned that not everybody that doesn't understand DEI or the hardships that other groups are having, they're not all necessarily opposed to other folks doing well or what somebody would call a racist or something like that. They just don't get it. And sometimes people want to get it. And those are the ones that we have to engage in conversation with and share ideas and have our thick skin on to work together on things and not be so easily offended because we've all got pasts. Um, I try not to be so easily offended and angered by things, but also I have still pretty good intolerance of people that are in denial about other people's hardships. That's a little bit tough to be in full denial of other people's hardships. And there's current legislation that's going through several states that actually don't want America to tell America's full story because some people aren't comfortable with hearing about America's past and some of the oppressive things that have taken place in this nation. But while we're deleting some truths that need to be spoken about America's past, we're deleting the chance for, especially when in this case, black people to tell our kids and society in general the challenges that we've had and the reality of how we got to where we are and what we need to do collectively about it. So that's another thing that's happening in today's society, but I do believe in general things are moving forward. Um, as far as being president of the academy, I never wanted to be president of the academy. I wanted to be the guy that shared the cool clinical stuff and just got to hang out with people that, that were just loving folks um, I became uh, chair of the Innovative Services Committee um, when B.V. Clemens retired, one of our founding presidents. He, he was later president, second president of the academy. <clears throat> and, and when he retired and took a step back, I took over the Innovative Services Committee. And then I was asked to run for the director position, which the Innovative Services Committee reported th- reports through the uh, director's position. It's now um, uh, under the... Uh, director, our current director, um, Renee Crater, Dr. Crater, great lady. Um, then a few years ago, they asked me if I would consider being president of the academy. And I was like, are you sure you want to do that? But my skill set on being uh, a former officer in a large company and my background and all the things that I've been working on and still doing, including being on boards and things like that. <laughs> um, fit the skill set that was needed for the president at that time. And again, I'm humbled and honored to serve as the president of the Academy. I've done it for the last three and a half years. Um, Can't wait to get the next crew of people trained up and ready to take over as we're pushing forward on things. But right now, it still currently fits my skill set. And I hope the Academy is satisfied with my leadership and innovation and my quirky ways in dealing with things, but it certainly has been my pleasure to still serve as president of the academy.
0: I'm so, everything you shared, nobody sees me, but I have this very excited smile listening and everything. And I love hearing things in your own words. You are a very, very humble individual and the, the amount of service you have provided to the physical therapy profession at large. Thank you. Oh,
2: it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It, it really is it doesn't even seem like work
0: to me. right and and that shows. Anyone who works with you, like I've known you for a blink of an eye. I mean, it's been, uh, uh, it'll, oh gosh, half a year now. Yeah. But like it, from, for, you are so kind, you know how to like enter a room, whether it's on email or text or whatever, in the friendliest way. You are so, I find you to be so approachable uh, in, in, in a ve- as a leader. It's still no denying what your position is. I just really think you are uh, really you set, I love what you bring to the table. Love it. Just enjoy very much. Uh, yeah. From the, from the amount of time I've known you, how do you handle things with, um, being what, doing what you're doing? And I've never asked you this before. And, that life balance, you know, people talk about work life balance. How do you do that? It's uh, from what I've seen, you have specific times you're like, I am not replying back, which is great. Could you talk about that a little bit more where you kind of set boundaries and stuff um, so that way you're able to handle but, everything and not know, overwhelm yourself? I,
2: you know, sometimes I, um, my wife's a surgeon. She's a breast cancer surgeon. She's chief of breast cancer at the the, the university hospital here. She's comfortable multitasking and doing a bunch of stuff. I really want to make sure I'm, I'm a perfectionist in whatever I put my hands on. So if my attention is split, if my attention is split, I know that I'm not going to do the thing that I'm working on as well as I could. So I do one thing at a time. I do one thing at a time. When I'm in clinical notes, sometimes I can reply to a text. Sometimes I can't. Um, but I want to make sure when I fix a problem, that problem has my undivided attention. My total undivided attention, and I'm giving it my best that I possibly can as I'm trying to resolve the issues that I have in front of me.
0: I love that. I feel like that's a very attainable way to approach life rather than just going just one thing at a time. Do that. Good. Yeah. All right. I love that. Um, I've actually even been doing that this week, uh, not even purposely because you said, but now I'm going to be like, Rob said this, I'm inspired. I've been doing that this week where I I had it upon me to finish up the project we're working on together. um, And I was like, nope, let's hone in. And now like, it's at a really good spot, you know, and and then I moved on to it. I've already moved on to other things because I can now.
2: That's it. Because even in relationships, if, if I know I'm doing the best I can with that relationship, even if it goes awry, at least I know for sure I did the best I could with it.
0: Ooh, I love that. I love that so much.
2: And that way you don't have any regrets.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of what the regrets. tattoo, that that tattoo where it says no regrets, but regrets is spelled improperly. Yeah, regrets. Yeah. Regrets, I love that. I kind of want, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not into tattoos, but if I got one, it'd be either Disney or that. <laughs> I love that so much. So um, now as... When you are a leader of, a, as a leader of AAPT, how is that different from being a leader at a clinic, like a clinic owner? How is that it's different? The same. It's, it's, an the, it's the same.
2: I'll it's tell the same. you, it's the same. It's just the objectives are different. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, the objectives
2: mm-hmm. are different. Okay. Yeah. Now, now when, when you're dealing with a clinical situation, it, to me, if you're doing it the right way, you're focused on your outcomes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not in a silo to where, you know, the orthopedic surgeons are upstairs and they own my, my, my practice and they're going to send me patients regardless. Right. I own my own company, you know, so we're outcome oriented and we get the things that are a little bit tougher than the guys that have the automatic referral that own their own PT practice. Um, I've learned that competency burns down barriers. Mm. You know, people don't care if you're a Martian. If you know what you're doing and they got back pain, they're going to come and see you.
0: That's true. That's thing, true. The key,
2: thing, the key thing in the key thing in business is to manage as many variables as you possibly can yeah. because there are some variables that you can't manage. So being timely, looking professional, okay? Being competent, having yeah. the tools that you need to get people better. I mean, how many PTs do you see that, 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 that work for a group that owns the practice that doesn't even have the tools to get the outcomes that they need. And they're, they're working with the only resistive equipment they have is exercise tubing. You know, I, you, you have to have what you need. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge proponent of physical therapists, independent practice, but I'm also a huge proponent of us owning our own businesses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and not working for groups that own you
0: yeah we do you know i really see and feel what you're saying there i i have my own practice and there's a lot to be said because we all shine in a different way we're all doing evidence-based but when we're able to come through as a as the autonomous decision maker that we've been trained to be we can really help those patients we can be of best service i truly do believe that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I, i think so but you know by the same token, we have to go the next step and do what's defined by, by the way that the APTA is going mm. and the different academies and specialization. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I heard somebody give the worst advice at a three-state meeting once, and I'm not going to give the states because it might tip it off. It will tip it right, off. Right. But this guy stood up and said to the students, when you graduate, don't worry about training anymore. You already know enough. You know you, you know everything you need to know. to to, to really make it and I sit there and then I asked the question I said well I think that the APTA is going towards specialization so how does this fit in with that but I know darn good and well after serving a four-year residency in orthopedic manual therapy that I'm a far better and more competent clinician also uh you know even being a co-author co-author in some textbooks and defending my my Thesis internationally at the first and second World Congress on low back pain, it helped me to learn more.
0: Always. I'm a more
2: effective clinician because I've learned more. And I have a more diverse patient population because I am a specialist in orthopedic manual therapy that's paid as dues. And and I believe we get superior outcomes when you go through residency training um, of any kind. Yeah. Of any kind. So that was the absolute worst advice I have ever heard anybody give some young kids right out of school.
0: I think there's been a lot of advice out there that can be off, but I definitely think that's really, it's off. I'm thinking, you got me thinking of, I grew up as a ballerina and ballet is impossible to perfect. However, that every ballerina is trying to perfect it. What we're doing with our lines, our bodies, you know, it's definitely uh, out of the anatomical positions. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you first start ballet, you learn all the dance steps, you learn all that. Does that mean yeah. I'm done? No. no, I'm always taking class. I'm always working to get better. And I learned so much from my life as a ballerina and I was pretty intensively in it at one point at a, at a, for a good portion of my life. And uh, I learned the importance of always learning, always practicing and having to be passionate about it. Because if I wasn't passionate about yeah, it, I wouldn't exactly. be showing up and putting in my best. Exactly. So yeah. having that background and then going into physical therapy as my new profession, and definitely was in line. The idea of, of course, I'm always going to be learning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why would, that would make me the worst person to work with if I was stuck I, in one I year really, of, of I, time. Okay, no.
2: <laughs> I'm haunted by what he said, but it motivated me to teach something different to people than that.
0: Yeah. You
2: know Because yeah. when I hear somebody saying something in full, he said it in full sincerity. He really didn't think anybody needed to learn anymore. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. So let me go and teach people why they need to learn more. Yeah. Because yeah. especially when you're a minority or a woman, you had better have it together. Yeah. If you're out there on your own, you had better have a superior product because you're not in that good old boy network. Well, yeah. You're, outside. and all, you're an outsider. Also, if so you. You'd, if, better, you'd better do it better.
0: Yeah, it's yes. And also, if we're going off that you're going off the research at the time that you learned it, we did not do diverse bodies, we do not have diverse bodies in research, we are massively lacking no. that, you know, so we need to be open and ready and and seeking and, and creating more of that information to learn from to better well, I'm serve. Glad, I'm, I'm, glad people.
2: You, I'm glad you're saying that because not only do we not have uh, diversity. When we're looking at the body types that we have to work with, we're, we're not having systemic diversity at all in medicine because different people, the, a guy named D'Amato wrote a book a long time ago called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. And he talked about how different types of blood types have different types of foods that they can metabolize and, 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 and use in their systems and have it not function in a fashion that's detrimental to the person. And lo and behold, different people can eat different things and perform differently. I'm a type O blood type. I need dense protein. Some people that are are more of a a type A blood type may not need as much dense protein. They may be able to make it by carb loading and eating pastas and things like that. If I eat a bunch of pasta before I go into an athletic endeavor, I'm going to suffer versus Mm. somebody else may be able to metabolize that and move forward with it. So Everybody's different, and I think we're just now getting to the point of where we're paying respect to the difference in the different physiologic physiologies that different people have, and it just so happens that certain physiologies are grouped together in different ethnicities. Yeah, and because of because of that because of that, then we have um, we we have an evolving ability to specialize care to specific individuals. Yes when yes. when 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 it's all mainly designed for just one certain group or one certain physiology mhm body type or one certain athletic performance level
0: yeah no different 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 uh different uh different levels of stress and anxiety depending on what your background is the the uh, stress and anxiety someone goes the food the blood type that all affects healing
2: yes and, yeah, it and it can
0: definitely take away from the exercises they're doing. I'll, I'll, give you,
2: I'll give you a specific example of that. I'll give you specific, with COVID with COVID. They're finding that people that get most sick from COVID have low vitamin D levels. Okay. Now, black people can't synthesize vitamin D. Vitamin D is actually more of a hormone than it is a vitamin. Okay. And when you're exposed to sunlight, Your body synthesizes its own vitamin D, which is a vital hormone for the basic function of your system uh, in your your body, okay? Well, black people can't synthesize it as well because we have more melanin in our skin. And the melanin reflects the sunlight. And so we have to have an increased exposure to sunlight to have the appropriate vitamin D level. Well, everybody was told to stay home. For the first three or four months during COVID, and lo and behold, black folks died at a higher rate than everybody else did. Okay, it's kind of like, well, you know, black folks have a more problem with high blood pressures, and it, I, and we eat the same thing that everybody else eats, but just so happens it affects us differently, and it may be because certain ethnic groups can't metize, metabolize the same foods the same way that, that other folks can. And so I, I think as we look at those things um, and, and be more specific with it, we can tease through the whys. Um, we're talking about you know masking up and what to do to not get COVID, but we're not telling people in specific, you need to have this number of these nutrition, uh, nutrients every day, okay, to where your system is more healthy and your hydration level needs to be exactly this. I think that we could have done a far better job and still can, Of telling people what they need to have in their systems to be healthy
1: and on that note we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility reputation and increasing referrals NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition they know you want your clinic to get found get chosen and definitely get those five-star reviews on google NetHealth is a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth private practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L I T Z Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit.
0: I agree. I uh, absolutely agree. And for me, I, 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 I haven't even gone into the nutrition stuff in massive detail with my patients. And now you're opening up another door. I've actually been getting into cognitive behavioral therapy Right now, I'm learning about that not to become a therapist, not at all, but to better complement how I communicate with people who um, could do well with it or, or watch out for trigger words, all that kind of sensitivities. Because the individuals I find, uh, my patients really do open up to me a lot. Uh, they have been through or are going through some of the most. Jaw dropping things in their lives, and yes, that affects their healing. So I need to make sure I'm not triggering them by my the way I speak. If anything, complementing a, a a journey of healing as we are working towards a healthier healthier movement and uh, decrease pain in their life. So yes. yeah, yeah, well, I, I definitely get it from it's, from it's, where it's I've dealing, been with the anxiety stuff. Yeah,
2: it's dealing with people in their complexity. Yes. The yeah. only people that deal with people and the, the, the same with patient care. And now let's go back to the, uh, you know, zoom out, zoom in. You've heard me say that. Before. Oh, I love
0: that. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> and the deal is, okay, let's, we've zoomed in so tightly. Let's zoom out so that we can see everything again. And now let's zoom back in because, you you know, you, you can teach a kid how to hit a baseball and he can hit every type of baseball pitch at every speed. But what if he gets hit in the rib cage? Oh, well, he don't want to get hit in the rib cage again. Right. So is that going to alter his ability to perform? Well, if he's so afraid of getting hit and it hurting, then it may be in the back of his mind that he's going to have problems. So, you know, it, it could alter his performance. So yeah, the, the mental aspect of performance of any type, you know, my daughter suffers from anxiety disorder and and it's hard, but we have to work through it because, you know, let's let's be sympathetic to it, but we need to be more patient with some folks and see what we can do to integrate them into a functional position in society. You can treat everybody fair, but it's impossible to treat everybody the same.
0: Oh, amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to switch completely into another because it just popped into my head. And I was like, ooh, I want to ask. Uh, regarding leadership. hmm <laughs> I was talking with another business owner. She's actually new to owning her own private practice and, uh, uh, And then there's another person who's much more seasoned uh, with his pride, like, yeah. And he said, I'm working on delegating more. And both her and I cringed because we like to like, oh, that is, that's it. How could you talk about your journey with delegation? Because as you get, you know, the more of the leader, the higher leadership position, you do have to delegate more. How do you do, you know, like,
2: yeah. Yeah, but here's what needs to happen is you've defined your clinical product, okay? You have to replicate that product. Either you have to do it or somebody has to be able to produce the same clinical product that that you produce. And it just so happens with mine. It's it's specific care and orthopedics with a high level of differential assessment of neurophysiology, histology, and arthrokinematics and the appropriate prescription of hands-on care and exercise from that. So if somebody comes to work for me, especially in the main office, they're not gonna have their own patient load for six months until they go through the readings and they, they they learn the basic clinical practice for dealing with an upper cervical problem, a lower cervical problem, rib cage uh, issue, um, a problem with a hyperlordotic spine, a problem with a hypermobile spine, a problem with a pelvic issue. Uh, be it internally uh, as far as as pelvic floor issues or biomechanically when the sacro tubers and sacrospinous ligaments are a little bit loose and they can't withstand the normal loading that they should be able to. They have to be able to do all those differentials and there to be a predictable application based upon that assessment and diagnosis to where we're replicating the outcomes that we need to replicate with patients that present with those pathologies. And that takes time. So now let's go back to the guy that says that the, the students don't need to learn anymore. Well, they're going to get their lunch eaten, right? There are guys out there that've been and ladies that have been doing this forever that have the highest level of competencies that will run them out of business if the playing field is indeed level and there's access to the, the same level of referrals. And getting a good outcome doesn't mean that the person comes in and says, well, I hurt when I'm riding a bike for a long period of time. Well, why don't you take up walking instead? No, that's not an outcome. The outcome is when you get them back to doing what they want to do in their life. Yes. Okay. That's it. Not modifying their life, but getting them back to doing what they want to do so that they can maintain the quality of life that they desire. Not telling them that, well, if it hurts to bend forward, quit bending forward. No, that's not that's not an outcome.
0: Right that's a Right.
2: modification.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that because always learning. Uh, I I have my practice where I'm a hundred percent virtual and that happened from the pandemic. I was not expecting that. And my performers love it for access, everything. And, um, it got me very into, you know, I'm not going to go into the details of what I do, but regarding outcome measures, I literally, that's what we very intensely focus on what they ultimately want to do. Not just like, Oh, I have no shoulder pain. You know, they want to know if they can do this arm movement in when they dance, you know, every time, can they do that without having to worry about it? And then we get them there. And that is why I have a massive increase in satisfaction because we are fully getting them to that, to their, their specific goals. I love that I'm you
2: am that. I'm, I'm very, very slow to accept praise for anything that I might do because the patient's the one that's gotta do most of the work at the end, um, in the very end. And you're really as, only as good as your last patient. Yeah. You're only as good as your outcomes say that you are. Yeah. doesn't matter yeah. how much you, you walk around talking about how great you are and how smart you are. If the patient didn't get better, then you failed.
0: Well, cause it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about them. It's about getting them better, you know, and, and, and that is the most rewarding thing. You know,
2: Exactly.
0: like, ah,
2: it's, it's the best. I've built my company. We've got five facilities now, but it's one patient at a time, one outcome at a time. And most of the patients that we get come by word of mouth. Nice. Yeah. And so you just get after it and handle your business and maintain and be a good steward of the opportunities that, that, that come to you. And take care of people the way that you'd want to be taking care of yourself. But back to the point of leadership. Yes. <laughs> it, the, best, the best, leader shows people how to do it instead of yeah. telling people how to do it.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah. listen. It's a skill. And that is a You've skill. Woo! Well, the funny thing about it is, I've always gone to church, and I've, you know, I've always gone to church, and different people have different ideas of, of spirituality and religion. Um, but there's a difference between believing in something and living something. Yeah. Okay. There's a big yeah. difference in believing something and living something. And and I, I go to church now, the preacher is my brother-in-law. And I was kind of skeptical because my sister-in-law married this guy and he's preaching. I was like, you know, just because you got a church doesn't mean I'm going to be hanging out at church all the time, <laughs> but he's such, a, he's such a good guy. He's such <laughs> a good guy and he lives it. So now I went from saying that to actually being a part of the service every Sunday and doing devotion at the start of service. So, you know, if if somebody sees you living something sincerely and not saying one thing and then doing another and behaving in a a way that's totally outside of what you're professing in a crowd. And I think that's a lot, that's that's run a lot of people away from spiritual base uh, community, is people are observing what people are saying and then they're observing that person's application of what they're saying uh, and seeing if it adds up. And a lot of times it doesn't.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah. And I think that's led to a whole lot of skepticism in a lot of our religious organizations nationally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Actions do speak louder than words. They do. It's and just like exercises. Do take the action that, with
2: that,
1: exercises? <laughs> but,
2: but think about it. Think about it. It, you know, it. You know, the only Torah or Quran or Bible that people see in public are the behaviors of those people that profess those religions a lot of times. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, are we a living testimony to to the Torah or the Quran or the Bible? Are we, are we a living testimony to it? Because if we were as diverse as we are with religious beliefs, if it's obvious that we're living right, you know, everybody I think would get along a whole, whole lot better if the hypocrisies were, were, were zeroed out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But so. that's where, that's where you, you jump in for this leadership and for all this volunteer work, because you want to start being the change you want to see in the world and be rather than just being on the outside going, like let's take action for this change, which I, I so appreciate that about you.
2: Well, I just, I'm slow to accept it, but if I do, I'm all in.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. all in.
2: If, if I do, I'm all in. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's humbling to be asked to serve in a leadership role of any form of any form uh, to be called upon to serve, because that means somebody thinks enough of you to ask you to think about doing something and being uh, an agent of change or, or a vessel of service.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's what I always think about. My wife gets a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, requests to to serve as well. And so we're very understanding of one another's roles when we're asked to do things that might eat away from our, our, our family time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of hard. Yeah, but, um,
2: it's rewarding. It's rewarding. I love that.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I know this is going to inspire so many people. Just when you speak, if you ever are at an event and you see, do not be afraid to approach him. He is the nicest human. Like, go say hi, ask questions, everything. Like, you're like, oh god, now I'm going to get a.
2: Flood some, days, of some days are better than <laughs> others. Some days are better than others. Well,
0: yes you are still a human of course of course but you're very good at communicating that you're like hey you said that with me you're like now's not the time let's connect another so we did which was incredible so yeah i definitely just a great leader to know to learn from and just you're just good people so just thank you for being you
2: thank you thank you for having me Yes. It turns out to be the way that you wanted it to be this time.
0: Oh my gosh, this is oh every we'll, time. We'll, I feel we'll, lucky. We'll
2: do, it again. we'll do it again if we need to. Oh
0: right? my God, I would love to. Um <laughs> uh and then um how if people wanted to reach out and connect with you, what is the best way if somebody wanted to reach out and go, oh, I want to I want well, to ask them a question.
2: Well, they, they can well, they can call the main office here in, in uh Little Rock, 501. Uh, 501- uh, 975-4040, or you can look us up on our website at orthorehab.com, um, and leave a message there. Somebody will check it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And, And also don't forget about the American Academy of Physical Therapy. If people are curious about that, it's a wonderful service-based organization um, designed to deal with healthcare disparities that, that face the black community, but we're trying to help everybody. But our laser focus for us is to work with the black community and then try to help everybody else as we can.
1: I
0: love it. Thank you.
1: And a big thank you to Jenna and Rob for a wonderful episode. And of course, a big thank you to NetHealth. So again, they have a new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they'll buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today to boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals.